Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Welcome back to the Econ Dev Show. Today, I'm here with Sarah Thompson. I asked Sarah to be on the podcast because just before Christmas, she was in issue 40 of Economic Developers and Developers in the News. That's the newsletter that we publish on Wednesday, where we detail the economic developers from all across the country and, and increasingly around the world and where they appeared in the news. I'm going to read you a, a brief bit from the story that she appeared in. Sarah Thompson grew up in small town Iowa and witnessed firsthand the decline of the downtown in her hometown of Radcliffe. Like many teenagers, she planned to leave for college and never come back. She left in 1988 to pursue an English degree at the University of Iowa and moved back to Radcliffe with her husband, Cale, in 1999 when her father died. They moved into her family home where they've raised two children and still live today. Now the owner of the consulting firm Real Rural Revitalization, it's difficult to say, Thompson thinks growing up in Radcliffe was influential in shaping her passion for rural economic development. Sarah, welcome to the show. I'm so, excited to be here. Excellent. I'm excited to have you. Um, so tell us briefly, is there anything to add to your story other than uh, what I just read? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, there's always more to add to the story, right? I went off to college. I lived in Iowa City. I don't know if you're familiar with Iowa, but the University of Iowa is where I went to school in Iowa City. I loved it there. We got married very early. I was young and I finished my degree in 1990. My husband decided then to go to school in Ames, Iowa, which is the other rival school, Iowa State University. And we moved back this way. My dad died in 98. We put the house on the market, hoping that it would sell and it did it. So we thought, why are we paying rent? So we will move in and maybe fix up the house and, and sell it. And obviously we're still here. After that, I, I worked at a bookstore and I owned my own bookstore. Then I got into tourism and event planning for a small town called Surrey City. From there, I became a Main Street director in Lansing, Iowa, which is a town of 999 people. And then I moved back this this way to my to our house again and worked for Hamilton County for a while in economic development. And then in 2018, I went off on my own as a consultant to work with other rural communities. I have a real affinity for communities that are small who think they can't do it. But they I'd imagine that's probably relatively common, especially in your part of the country. What do you do for these communities? Different things. But what I, my, what I specialize in or what I feel like I specialize in is any communities that don't already have some sort of nonprofit economic development board working in their community or volunteering in their community, I will come and help you set up, get your nonprofit status, figure out what you want to do. I also, if the community already has an economic development group, then I might work with them on their strategic planning for what they want to get done in the next five years or the next 10 years. I always say 20 years is going to go by whether or not you do anything. So you might as well have something to show for it in 20 years. Right. And then just 
I work with businesses sometimes. Ideas on how to lay out the store, how to how to do different things like that, to market, get more people to show up, that kind of thing. Sure. So when you work with these cities that are these communities or small towns that don't have an economic development um, organization, who is it that hires you? Who brings you to town? Who decides we need an economic development organization and we need you to help um, create it? Sure. A lot of times it's someone on the city council who just sees an, another community has this economic development board and they're doing all these things. Someone on the city council will bring me in. Or there are other times I, I was asked to a, a small community because the person who asked me work in a different small community who an economic development group that, that are getting things done. And so I was in the Main Street world for 13 plus years. And so I know a lot of people all throughout the state and that kind of helps with word of mouth and, and getting my story out there. That newspaper article in December was a godsend and it has really helped. In 2020, I wasn't sure if I was going to keep going with my consulting business. Sure. Obviously, I couldn't go to any community or get any work. And so I was coming up with other ways to make money. And then that article came out and that was very Excellent. I'm I'm glad that I found that. I, I was really inspired when I saw that. I thought, oh, this is a this is an excellent story. You have the I don't know. It just it just seems like how it you know should work because that's a positive development that small towns are thinking about economic development and that there is someone that understands it and can come in and walk them through the steps of getting started. Let's talk about that. When you come into a small community. And maybe a council member has brought you in, has paid to bring you in, and you, and you sit down with everybody in the community who is interested in participating. Obviously, you want to be very inclusive and allow everybody who has an interest in this to participate because that you're eventually you're going to leave and they're going to need to run it and manage it and handle all of the details on their own. So you want people that are enthusiastic about it. How do you... Um, what are the challenges that you face when doing that, I guess, first off? The biggest challenge, I think, is if small communities think they can't do anything, that they, they don't have the resources to get it done, or that's something big cities do, we don't do that here, or that's the biggest challenge is getting over that hurdle that small communities can be attractive to people who want to start businesses, to entrepreneurs, to the people that can come in and, and move to your city and make it a little bit bigger or not, I would say that is the biggest challenge. The, one of the other challenges is getting people to consensus, which is more in my strategic planning area. Like, what do we want to get done and, and how do we get that? Done? Sometimes the, the smallest thing will derail a project and it, it's not even related to what they're trying to get done. It, it's like some offshoot in one community I worked with they were, they wanted to apply for a, a grant that would do streetscape work and they could apply for $500,000 if their town had a thousand people or more, and they could apply for $250,000 if there were a town of 999 or less, they were 999. The, it got derailed because they couldn't decide whether or not to review the census to see if there was one more person in town. They spent their whole time talking about that. And then it's the, the whole project just fell through. Those are the problems <laughs> that I come up with. That's, that's small town uh, life, isn't it? It and is. What, whatever is uh, the big issue in the community is sometimes from the outside, we can just see it and know, oh, 
yeah, if you guys just put that aside for a second, you'll be okay. But yeah, that's really hard. So if let's say you came into a hypothetical small town, the a town of about a thousand people who thinks they can't do anything, what, what are some examples of some things that they could do? What are some ideas that you would bring? So the first thing I would do is it come into the town and sometimes I come in beforehand just to see how it looks before they show me all the highlights, sure. right? You secret shopping. Show yeah. The, they show me the best part. And sometimes they'll show me the things that they want to get done. But I like to sneak in and see what they have going on. And then I will make my recommendations based on that. So a lot of times it's just, let's start with the low-hanging fruit. Let's put planter boxes on Main Street and benches and make it look more attractive. If there's empty buildings, can we use the windows and highlight another business that is going in town? Let them put a window display in a downtown building that's empty, make the building look like you want it to look or somebody's in there and then people can see, oh, that could be an ice cream shop or, oh, that could be a shoe store or whatever it is they think they want. That's the second thing is what do we recruit? And I always tell them first, look at what's here and is there things that those businesses could add? If you have a hardware store, but you don't have a grocery store, could the hardware store add a, a shelf of milk and eggs and butter and cheese and and that kind of and so that that's how I start is what do they need really and mm -hmm. what can we get done in a reasonable amount of time sure i've been in small towns and i think many of us have been in small towns and we have experienced people who like to who really like it in the small town they just absolutely love it and they moved there at some point or they've lived there their entire life and their you know families have lived there for generations and they really like it how it was 10 years ago, or they like it 50 years, you know, 50 years ago, or, or even today. And they have this feeling where they want to have been the last person to have moved to this small town. They, they don't want it to change at all. Do you experience that as well? I do. And around here, at least there's over the last 30 years, there's been a lot of school consolidations, right? So a lot of towns have lost their school, or maybe they had a K through 12, and now they just have an elementary school or whatever. And I was talking to someone and they were like, we lost the school. And I said, when did you lose? And they're like, 1989. I said, <laughs> I'll give you like five years where you can commiserate that you lost the school. But after that, you need to pull yourself up and figure out what can we do? We don't have the school. So what can we bring? What can we do? How can we market ourselves to at least have people moving in or having a store downtown or whatever. So a lot of it is just, they think they can't do And I say, no, if you could do it, what do you want to do? And then we go from it. Okay. So have you had some big successes? Have you have anything you can point at and say, I worked with this community and they got X because we worked at it. <laughs> what are some examples of that? First, the last community I worked in, I. Fully, I took a long-term temporary assignment there and I was their first main street director and it was Jewel, Iowa, the town of 1200 people. And I certainly wasn't the first person to come in and help them. They have been helping themselves for the last, <clears throat> probably since the late eighties. When I started working in Hamilton County, they were one of the communities that I worked with. And then when I left that position, they asked me to come and be their first main street director on their own. And. One of the things that we did is they had spent the last 30 years redoing all their buildings. So all their buildings are done and beautiful. And now 
not rent a building in that community. At one point they had 13 empty buildings and now they have, but they had two empty space in, in, in the course of getting all their businesses done or buildings mm-hmm. done, they had, there was two that had to come down. And so in 2020, we put up a, we call it the vendor's village. And it was a, it was not just me, but it was the business improvement committee that we bought three little sheds and put them on the plot on the lot. We have electricity running to them. And then we set those up to be kind of incubator spaces. So a business could come in and rent it for the weekend and sell something. They could come in for a week, for a month. As soon as we got them all open, all three of them got rented for a year. So there's three new businesses in downtown Jewel that would not have been able to be there because they didn't have space to be in. And then that what they were hoping at the time to put in an infill building. So we were thinking that the, the people could move from their little sheds to a, a bigger building if their business worked out. And so far, all three businesses are doing well, and it's really exciting to see. I'd imagine that's probably super inspiring for everyone in the community to see that they did this little thing and and got some sheds and put them on a lot and suddenly they had some more downtown businesses it was certainly unique at the same time we were getting that done they lost their grocery store and the whole community came together and they did investing and and they reopened the grocery store with under it's like a community community managed grocery store now and so it they just have a great attitude in Jewel and they're I use sometimes as a to hold up to say other communities can do this. Like this little town with twelve hundred people can do it. Anybody right. can do it. We're coming out of COVID now, hopefully. Maybe it maybe this was the last wave. Hopefully things are, you know, gonna get back to normal or get back to some semblance of normal, new version of normal maybe. What, you know, opportunities and new challenges do you see there on the ground in these small communities? after having experienced what we experienced? So one thing that has happened positively for small towns in Iowa is a lot of people during COVID who lived in bigger places were, maybe I want to move to a smaller location. And then another thing that has happened because of COVID is the prices of everything have gone up. Well, you're going to get a lot better deal on rent in a building in a town of 3,000 people than you are in, you know, Des Moines or a, a larger town. Iowa only has three community, uh, three cities that mm-hmm. are above a hundred thousand people. Everything else is pretty small. I think there's six hundred communities that are under five thousand people at least wow. in Iowa. And so we have a real opportunity now to say, and this is a safe place to live. There's not as many people here. You don't have to uh, worry quite so much because we aren't all living right on top of each other. And then I think there's an appeal too for just slowing down. Now that people have been at home for a year, they might not want the rat race that they had before. And we definitely are a little bit slower than New York City or Kansas City even. And so it's a real opportunity for us. I'm on a committee. The governor of Iowa has created a task force to empower rural Iowa. And then there are three different task forces underneath that. And I'm on the investing task force. And and one of the things we're looking at is housing and bringing people in. So we're, the governor is putting out uh, commercial advertisements all over the United States, trying to highlight our business districts and everything that you can get here 
that it's gonna be just a little bit cheaper than from Waterfowl. That's what is exciting. that what is the housing situation like there in Iowa? Every community struggles with housing right now. There are not a lot of developers that want to go into a town of a thousand people sure, and put course. up two like the store. <laughs> A right. four-plex store or whatever. So that is a struggle. We are focusing, we're trying to focus, and I want here on upper-story housing and, like, taking the houses you already have and making them better. There's already infrastructure to those. You don't have to do any right. sewer line or do lighting if we can fix those. There are a lot of communities and a lot of places that have just one person living in a house. If you, uh, and there, it's, when that happens, it's usually an older woman whose husband has died. Personally, I think what we need to be working on is more uh, retirement housing so that we can move all of those people who are one person living in a house and then we have those houses ready to go. But yeah, housing is a struggle. It's something that you'd think, oh, there's plenty of empty houses in these small towns, but there aren't anymore. People have been buying up these houses mostly because they're reasonably priced and, and right. fairly big. So. Sure. Yeah. I, from what I, yeah, what I've seen on the internet, it, it looks like house the houses there are, are good sized and like you said, reasonably inexpensive. How's the internet in rural Iowa? Cause I think that's probably the big driver about whether or not most people could just, you know, pick up and move. Exactly. Yep. I just gave a talk this morning about, um, have being a culture of entrepreneurship and, and the first thing to be, uh, have a culture of entrepreneurship is you have to have high-speed internet. Many small towns in Iowa got grants for oh. high-speed internet. So uh, my little town has 500 people in it. I have uh, fiber internet. And the town next door to me that you can get a gig reasonably priced for your business. And everything is getting bigger and better. And so we re recognize that if we do want people to move to Iowa, they might not work here. And so right. they're going to need internet to, to have a job. And so it is a big push. That is one of the other tax forces under the Empower Rural Iowa to connect. And that's all about. I think that COVID sped up the process of this decoupling from where you work to where you live and allowing people the freedom to, to be where they want to be. And if rural Iowa is inexpensive, and small and small towns that are pleasant to be in and it has high-speed internet realistically it can it competes with everywhere else in the country that's so that my even that it's even to that whole field that whole playing field is now even and so that's good for you and that's good for the residents of iowa is has iowa has it been i don't i'm not familiar with it very much has it been losing population my assumption is it probably, definitely in the rural areas, it's been, definitely been losing population. As a whole, though, has yeah. it been growing? You know, the la latest census came out, and I think we were down a little bit. The urban areas are gaining more than the rural areas, and that is the lack of methods. Because really, these small towns have it going on. Some of them are still <laughs> right. really need help, and they haven't. But many small towns in Iowa have really stepped up in the last 10 years. And, and said, hey, we can be cool. We can, even if we don't want to bring people in, we deserve to have a cool place to live too. For um, ourselves, yeah. And, and, and that is my whole thing. Do it for the people who already live there, not for the people you want to attract. And we'll have, deserve it just as much as anybody coming. And yeah, we have been declining. There is a big push in the last year or two to move people back to Iowa. I think 
in the 70s and 80s, we have really good school. And so a lot of the, the students were, were getting job offers in California and New York. And, and when they graduated from college, because our school system is so good, and we did lose a lot of people because of that. And so now we're starting to say, hey, come back. I firmly believe that we could have been Silicon Valley in the 80s if we just kept all our in here at Iowa State instead of sending them out. But so yeah. definitely there are, are things we can improve on and, and, and we can handle more people. I think now it's been 40 years since the 1980 and probably in 30 years since 1990. It's time to go back through those alumni lists at Iowa State and find out where those people are now and send them real estate listings and invitations to come back to their small uh, communities. Because I, I really think that would, that would be an easy, it would be a challenge and it would take a lot of work. But I think that especially now post COVID, everybody's looking to move somewhere else. And, and we saw this radical just shifting of the population in the, over the last couple of years, California lost 1% of its population in during, I think last year. And, and I think Texas got them, right? And, and, te and Texas <laughs> got them and, and, all, and all kinds of other places. But then you think that you know, we think of places like Detroit. Detroit never lost 1% of its population in a single year. That's more than it ever lost. And right. that's just people picking up and moving. I, I grew up in California and my parents and my grandparents, my grandparents all moved to California around the, about the depression, basically. And they moved there because it was such a great place and everybody... My parents remember telling people to move to California when they were young people. When my father was in the army, it was, let's get people to come to California. It's the greatest place on the planet. And now things have shifted. And, and so places that are up are now down and places that were down are now up. And I'm sure that Iowa could be part of that. I agree. I agree. My um, sister is older than me and she and her husband moved out to California in the 80s and they have been there. They raised some children. They have seven grandchildren in California. Every once in a while, I hear them say something like, now that we're retired, maybe we should move back to Iowa. They never will. They're out there. We could get the whole family to come back. Exactly. I do think that there is, there was a big push. Everybody moved west in, in the 80s and the 90s and, and, and now it's time to come home. And that who we're trying to recruit, the people who are in their 30s and 40s, to come back because they have some life experience. They have maybe more money than a college Buddy. freshman does. And right. they're going to put their kids in their school. And so we're really trying to bring back the 35 to 45 That's, in Iowa. I, I think that makes perfect sense. We spent the last 40, maybe 50 years in the United States where people stopped moving. They did in the 80s and the 90s, they did move to California. But people in, in the United States used to move for we're, we're a population of people who've moved. Your ancestors didn't grow up in Iowa. At some point, they, they moved there. And I've had, I had ancestors that went to Iowa and, and eventually they moved on and went somewhere else. And I think we're probably coming back to this time when you, you move for the opportunity and you develop a better quality of life someplace and people move there. And, and you know, yeah, it's especially with all of the resources that we have now, especially with the internet, especially with low cost air travel and just all of that. We can, you can live anywhere now. Why not live someplace? That's nice. It's true. And if you can live here during the, the bulk of the year and have a low cost of living, and then you can afford to travel in the winter when it's cold or yeah. so many people here are snowbirds once they hit retirement. And I get it. I'm, I'm 
going to reach that point eventually too. But there's so much that Iowa has to offer. You don't think of Iowa as being fun, but there are, you can find something for everyone to do. And so it's, I hope that people would give Iowa a shot because it is a fun place to live in. I feel like we're up and coming. People know about us every four years, but the rest of the time they don't really change. I hope that changes. And I think that with the work that you're doing, both in the local communities and on the governor's task force, I think it's going to have an impact. These are things that these are things that weren't happening before. And just the fact that they're happening now and the fact that you're there on the ground, it's going to have an impact. If any of our listeners would like to reach out to you and maybe hire you or pick your brain even, and what's the best way for them to get into contact with you? Sure. So I'm on Facebook, Rural Revitalization LLC on Facebook. My email is Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at rural-revitalization.com. I also have a website, ruralrevitalization.com. There is a hyphen between rural and revitalization uh, for the website as well. Yeah, so those are the best ways to find me. I, you can go to my Facebook page and use Messenger. I use Messenger. My cell phone is on my website, so you can find that there. I don't know if it's out here, but um, if anybody wants to go to the work of finding it, that's perfect. It's there. Excellent. Sarah, you've been an excellent guest and I've learned so much about Iowa and um, so much about rural communities that I hadn't thought about. And like I said, I lived in a rural community, so I thought I had thought of everything. But just I, I think your idea about putting these little sheds on the vacant lot, I think that was phenomenal. I had I had never had heard of that. And like I said, I I never thought of that myself. So I think that's interesting. I mean, I, I'm sure that, that can work all kinds work. of places. That was a collaboration, but that we came to that and I, that's brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. I hope the other people steal it and they, and they use it. They take it. And what is it that they say in the chamber of commerce world, plagiarize and localize, bring their ideas to your own communities. Like I said, you've been a fantastic guest. Thank you so much today. Best of luck to you. And I hope to hear from you again in the future. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.